Good to see you all this morning. We're going to be in uh, Psalm 126. It's the one we read at the beginning of the service, Psalm 126. If you want a Bible, there's some at that back uh, little stand over there. You're free to take one. If you don't have one, you can have that one. All right, so Psalm 126. So there, there's something that's super cliche that I'm going to use for the introduction. So I know that. You just, I know it's cliche. We, we all clear, okay? Uh, you, you hear often that li- uh, people describe life as a journey, right? Life as a journey. And there's all these commercials about that. There's all these poems about that. But the reason it's cliche and common is because it, it feels true, yeah? Life feels like a journey, and some days uh, the road feels pretty smooth. Other days, you, you, it's kind of rocky, and, and some days your GPS broke, okay? And you're like, where do I need to go? Where do I need to go? Now, here's the interesting thing. Before you uh, embark on a journey, before you take a long trip, it is most helpful that you have clear expectations and that you have the guides and directions necessary for traveling well. I don't know about you. So one time, uh, I'm calling that, calling you out. One time I got in a car, and I thought we was going down the street, and we ended up in Georgia. And I was like, I was not, I wasn't ready. Like my mom was, I didn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. All right, you know, you know, sometimes you 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 think you know where you're going, but you got some messed up directions. One time, uh, me and and Caleb's family, we, we decided we were going to go camping, and we put it in the GPS, and we rolled up to somebody's house. We're like, uh oh. It's probably ain't it. <laughs> it's, 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 important. it's important that your expectations are set, right, and that you have the directions and the guides that you need for the journey, or else you're going to get frustrated, or else you want to quit, all right? And so, so the Scripture gives us the proper expectations. It gives us the proper guide so that as we're on this journey called life, we know what to expect, and we know what we ought to do. So we're going to look to this psalm today to, to ask that question. What should our expectations be? What ought we to do? All right, Psalm 126, it reads, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then, and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We were joyful. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like watercourses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. Lord, have mercy. Help us to understand this. Help us understand this. All right, so this is a part of a group of psalms uh, in the Psalter called the Ascent Psalms. The Ascent Psalms. So we don't really, uh, they're like, what are you talking about? The Ascent Psalms are psalms or songs that they sang when they were traveling on the road to Jerusalem for the regular festivals that they had. So they had these religious festivals of three mandatory ones about the year, and, and they would sing these songs in preparation to get their hearts ready. So they were on, oh, they were on a literal journey singing this song. Now, here's the deal. Traveling now is not easy. But imagine, imagine traveling, you know, 1,000, 1,500 years ago. You don't have a car. Your shoes aren't Nikes, Okay. All right, it's not a comfortable walk. I don't know, maybe there's a lion. I don't know, I don't know what it's like back then, but I'm just saying. It's, it, it wasn't a peaceful time. It, it was kind of a dangerous thing to travel a long journey. 
Right, and and Matt, now you think you think you know drive a mini minivan with a bunch of kids in the back. Imagine you trying to correct long road to another city, traveling with the potential of bad weather, having to leave your work for the time that you're gone. Like there are a lot of things that would discourage you from this journey, and as you're on it, there's some things that would tempt you to turn back. But the reason that they went was because they wanted to gather with the Lord, with his people in his protective sanctuary. They're like, if I, if I can get to the temple, I will be in God's presence. If I get, can get to the temple, the Lord will answer my prayers. See, these songs are meant to encourage the travelers with hope as they were on the journey to the Lord's presence. And in reality, this is the journey of the Christian life. Where are we headed, Christian? To God's presence, to the place where our prayers, all of them are answered, where the troubles of this world have passed by and every tear is wiped away. But just like them, sometimes our journey is hard and frustrating. Now, what's interesting, I, you know, I, sometimes I watch these movies like from the olden days when they didn't have TV and people would just sit around and sing. I'm kind of jealous. I wish we did that sometimes. Anyway, but I, so, so I'm imagining they're walking down, they're walking down the road trying to get to Jerusalem, and somebody's like, this, this is horrible. This sucks. I want to go. I want to go. Somebody sees that attitude, and they begin to sing one of the songs. I'll remember where we're going. Remember that it's worth it. Remember that the Lord will take care of you. See, communal singing is for communal encouragement. It's another reminder that we need each other. It's not that the vision of the Christian life isn't of one solitary person walking down the road by themselves. The vision is that we are all on this road together. And there are days when I need you to encourage me and I need to encourage you. And then we have this mutual encouragement because the reality is that life is hard. And so when we look at the psalm, like imagine they sang this so that they would be encouraged to keep going. What can we learn from this song so that we ourselves can be encouraged to keep going? Look at verse one. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. See, what they're doing is as they're walking down the way, they are remembering God's deliverance. When he restored the fortunes, they're looking at something past. God has done something monumental. Restored us. We were, we, were, we were out there, no hope, no help, and the Lord restored us. It's like when they were in exile and the Lord brought them back. Like, I didn't know if we were ever going to get here, but the Lord has shown his strength. And when it says we were like those who dream, you know, imagine uh, you, you've experienced something so good and you're like, well, will somebody pinch me just so I know it's real? That's the idea. Like, we can't believe that he has, has done this awesome work. It points to the importance of remembering what God has done for his people. If, if we would just you know, take a quick survey of the scripture and just look at all the times the Lord says, remember. Remember who I am. Remember what I have done. So much of our problem is that we forget. Now, here's the deal we need to understand. I don't know if you ever had like a really good friend. And maybe you've helped them a lot. And all of a sudden, they were like, we're not friends no more. Maybe they didn't say it like that, but you get it. They're like, and you're like, in your mind, you're like, but don't, do they not remember? You know, when they, when I needed help and I, when I, they needed help and I was there. Or when they needed encouragement and I gave them that. 
and now they're treating me like they don't even remember the stuff that I know. Y'all, y'all been there? Is it just okay? If y'all are not, I don't know. So, so that's, that's the idea. So imagine when we're walking down the road of life and through our sin, we're like, man, forget what God has done. And God's like, well, don't you happen. Listen, listen, we should remember what the Lord has done so that we don't betray him, so that we don't cause him a sting in his heart. So the, 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 what we need to understand is what is what we ought to remember? The first thing that we ought to remember is what we're celebrating in this season. The first advent, the first coming, the fact that God sent his son into the broken world to save us. We often, wake my man up, we often don't understand the significance of what has happened. The fact that, that the God who was infinite, who had no need, no pain, who only experienced glory and praise, decided to come down and, and live among us to experience things that are normal to us. But imagine never having been hungry, then experiencing hunger. Never having been tired, then experiencing weariness. Never felt the sting of betrayal, but only of praise. And one of your best friends betraying you. Listen, it is a big deal that Christ came in the flesh to save us. And we ought to look back and go, do you remember? Do you remember what he has done, what he sacrificed for us? Not only that, beloved, we need to remember that he saved us personally. Look, there was a point in my life where I did not follow him. I didn't listen to him. He was not of a concern to me. But God sent his spirit to apply the work of Jesus to my heart. Listen, I remember the joy of that day. I remember knowing of my own sin, knowing that I did not deserve any type of love from God, but him revealing his love to me anyway, saying, though you ran from me, I want to know you. Though you were dead in sins, I want to make you alive. Beloved, that's what we remember. He came and he came personally by his spirit into each of our hearts. And has he not? Delivered us time and time again. See, God has delivered us all in concrete ways, ways that demonstrate his personal and unique love to you. There are things that aren't necessarily written in the book, but there are specific kindnesses that God has shown you over the course of your life that we go remember that. See, we have this, this danger of overfamiliarity. See, when you're in a relationship, particularly if you're in a romantic one, sometimes if you've been in that relationship for a long time, you tend to forget the beauty of the person that you were with. You just get used to, used to them. They're not like you don't, you don't dislike them. You're just like, well, we've been together a while, you know. Look, there must be intentional remembrance, intentional looking at the significant other to remember what. What drew me to you and what continues to draw me to you? It's, it's, it doesn't just happen. There is some active participation in there. This is why we remember, so that we don't get lulled to sleep by the danger of overfamiliarity. So when I think about what God has done, how he sent his son, how he converted me and saved me from my sin, and how he has delivered me time and time again, my question for you is, have you experienced God in this way? 
if you have not, the promise is this. He comes to all those who seek him. He will not cast away anyone. So we rejoice and remember. And listen, the idea is communal singing. Not just in myself, but I tell each, we tell each other, remember what God has done. Remember that he sent Jesus. Remember that he brought us from death to life. And then if you really know somebody, you can really point some stuff out. You remember when you didn't know how you were going to pay for that? And the Lord supplied it. You remember that? Come on now. Listen, listen, not only do we remember what God has done, but we understand that God's help for us is to show his glory to others. Look at verse two. Our mouths were filled with laughter then and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The other nations around Israel, when they saw how God delivered Israel, said, man, look at what the Lord has done. Listen, the same thing can be said of us. This is 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. See, if God has caused you out of some darkness, if he has shown his favor to you, one of the reasons is so that you could declare his glory to everybody else. And this isn't just you. This is the story of every significant figure in the scriptures. You know, we, we hear about Abraham. He's the father of the Jewish nation. And he, he got these, this awesome promise for God from God. But the last part of the promise is he says, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. You're going to be a big nation. But, but listen, it's not just for you. Through your offspring, through Jesus Christ who comes from you, I will bless everybody. Not just him. Think about David. See, the Lord promised King David, uh, the, the most uh, uh, notable king from Scripture. He said, I'm going to give you a son that's going to reign on your throne forever. Now, when you, when you hear that, you're like, oh, man, good for David. But listen, that son that they're talking about is Jesus. And he doesn't just rule Israel. He rules all creation. And he shares that benevolent rule with us that he is here to pour out grace and protect us from evil. And think of Jesus, the, 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 the one who was given the spirit without measure. So that he could, what, save the world. God showed him divine favor so that that favor, that grace could spill over and affect all of us. And so God has shown specific kindness to you so that you can uniquely give him glory. Man, that's, that's the special gift of a testimony. You know, one of the, one of the, the, the most fun things that, that I've gotten to do in the church, it seems something so simple, but, but we have these monthly men's breakfasts. And, and what we do every time is somebody gives their testimony. And you would just be surprised in, in awe of what the Lord has done for people. When I hear about what the Lord has done, I'm like, man, he is good. I knew what he did for me, but he did that for you. Oh, listen, this is the power of the testimony. So that, listen, when we're on this journey, and the road is rocky. Maybe it's time for us to remind each other what the Lord has done. Not only this, God's intervention, God's deliverance is an opportunity 
for our joy. Look at verse three. The Lord has done great things for us. We were joyful. What I think is funny is like the Lord delivered Israel. And all the other nations were like, man, look what he did. And they were like, oh, you're right. You know, like, man, I, I could have missed that. You know, like, like it's, it's just so funny. Like, like when you tell somebody else what God has done and they're like, man, you're like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. I'm really glad he did that. Beloved, he wants to bless us. God wants to share his joy with us. God has this unending, never, end, never uh, lacking supply of joy that he is just ready and willing to pour out on you. One of my favorite verses is in Ephesians 2. And Ephesians 2 is just talking about what God has done for us in Christ. And then and it says, he did this so that in the coming ages, he could show his riches and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Will translation. The reason he saved you is so he can be nice to you forever. <laughs> That's crazy. He saved you so he could be nice to you forever, so that he could pour out joy and love on you forever. He has so much that he is compelled to share it with us. Beloved, when we think about what he has done, we can have a joy that overcomes the present problem of our situation. Man, kindness shown forever. That, that, can, that can really sustain me in present trouble. Now, with all that, remember what God's done. Remember what he has done specifically for us, this rejoicing in this great joy. See, remembering the past deliverance fuels asking for future deliverance. Look at the next verse. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Now you're like, what is the water course in the Negev? All right, this is a farming society. Their livelihood is dependent on if they can get water to their land. If ain't no water, ain't no food, okay? And the, the, the part of, of Israel is talking about is a part that was particularly dry, but, but, but when the Negev would overflow, when, it, when, it would, when there'd be so much water in this waterway, the water would spill over into the farmland. It was a, it was a, it was a huge deal because, because occasionally this blessed land with a sudden overabundance of water. You looked at the, pro, the, 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 looked at the, the land, like, I don't know if it's going to be a good year this year. But, but then the Negev would flood, and you're like, oh, snap. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be okay. See, remembering what the Lord has done helps us to ask the Lord for help with boldness. And I don't care. I'm going to repeat what he's done again. Listen, remember that the Son of God was made flesh. Scripture says, if he would not withhold his own son, will he not give us all things? Not only was his precious son among those who hated him, but he was nailed to a cross for us. If the Lord would give us that, surely we can boldly ask him for help in our time of need. Think about the fact that, remember, we all at one point were enemies, but he overcame my rebellion. Listen, he gave me what was best for me, even when I didn't know that it was best for me. If he would do that, surely he would answer when I called to him. And all the times he's shown me personal kindness. He manages the whole universe, yet takes time to care for me and for you. If he can manage all of the problems that we see in the news and the, all the ones we don't, 
and still manages to show kindness to us, can we not go to him boldly? See, all of this points to the Lord's demeanor towards you. You know, one time, one time I, was, I was with a brother and we were doing some discipleship and we were talking about prayer. We're like, how do we grow in prayer? How do we go in prayer? And I wanted to get really, you know, tangible. I wanted him to leave this meeting growing in his prayer life. And we were talking about some, you know, these are the types of prayer. You thank him for stuff. You tell him who he is. You confess your sins. Uh, but it, there still was something a bit hesitant in him. And, and so I don't even know why I asked him this question. But I said, when you pray, if God had a face and you saw his face, what would his facial expression to you be? Like, what, what do you imagine his look towards you is? He sat there a moment and he said, well, stoic, no facial expression, just blank. And I said, man, I have news for you. He doesn't look at you with a blank stare. He looks at you with joy. He is smiling at you, desiring that you would come to him. He loves you. He's proud of you. The scripture says that he sings over you with rejoicing. So much of our problem with prayer is that we don't understand God's demeanor towards us. But if we would remember, he gave his son, he converted me in my rebellion. He shows kindness to me every day. He looks at me with love and kindness. I can run to him. That's why Hebrews 4, 16, it says, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may find and receive mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. See, we can approach because of the work and kindness of Jesus. That's why I need you to remind me, and that's why I need to remind you. In those moments when I start to doubt his intentions towards me, I would remember what he has done for me. That, that those last verses, five and six, is to help us to remember that the hardships of today are not the end. The hardships of today are not the end. Look at verse five. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. The one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seeds. He will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. So the question that we have to think of ourselves is, what if we are in the part of the journey that feels painful and feels like toil? See, like they're describing something that probably, we probably don't do a lot of farming. So this seems kind of foreign to us, but it's like they are doing their job and they are just sad about it. You ever going to your job and not felt like going to your job? Has it ever felt like drudgery? Here we are again today. You know, like, you know I got to deal with this weird person doing something, you know, whatever it is. Is. I mean, if y'all work with customers, y'all know. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, come on, retail. Uh, anyway, um, the idea is that man, we are going through our regular life and I feel like this is drudgery. I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm getting anything in return. But hope for God's future blessing fuels present work. Listen, we know that God will deliver us because he has delivered us. And we know that eternal deliverance is coming. In other words, we will not regret following the Lord when he returns. The drudgery of obedience, 
the drudgery of fulfilling your responsibility. Let's be real. Sometimes it's like, we got to do this thing again. It doesn't really matter what your job is. There are sometimes you're like, doggone it. Here we go again. I done just changed this diaper. Okay. I'm still in that. Okay. Again. All right. Listen. We got to remember that following Jesus is often regular faithful work. A lot of times, if we only classify Jesus as something, like following him as something special, then that rips meaning out of the everyday stuff that we do. But if we understand that the everyday things, the responsibilities and relationships that we have to cultivate, that that is the avenue, that's the, the, the place of serving Jesus, it infuses everyday things that might feel like drudgery. It infuses it with great purpose. Now, I say this often. I'm going to say it one more time. Y'all remember I'm a nerd, right? So I'm a nerd on you for a minute, okay? I'm a nerd on you for a minute. There is this, this doctrine, this teaching that I feel like has, hasn't been emphasized enough. And the teaching is, is called the doctrine of vocation. Like, what is that? Vocation teaches that our everyday roles and responsibilities are the arena for serving God. The everyday roles and responsibilities. If you really think about it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, we pray the Lord's Prayer together, and uh, we say, give us today our daily bread. Now, if you ever follow the supply chain of how you get the bread, it's through a bunch of people working. <laughs> yeah? God supplies your needs through people faithfully doing what they are called to do. And it works like that. How are how kids' needs provided for? Through the faithful, faithfulness of their parents, yeah? So this, this, these things, that, as you're, you're going to drive, you're like, oh, they, they seem so regular. But I want you to understand that those are the means. And listen, it infuses importance. It doesn't matter how lofty your job is or how lowly you feel it is. God literally is answering people's prayers through your service, providing what they need, even if they don't even know they need it. That infuses everything with great importance. See, if God has taken care of us, and we know that God will take care of us, then we put our hand to the plow in faith. And in hope. I'm going to teach you one more nerdy thing, okay? Then, then, we'll, then we'll, 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 we'll go on. You know, when you think about you're standing before God. Now, we, we talk a lot about justification. Justification is the idea that, that I am, I'm not good with God because of what I did. I'm good with God because of what Jesus has done. That my slate isn't simply clean, but... I have all the works of Jesus in my account so that when God looks at me, you remember how when God looked at Jesus in the baptism and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased because of Jesus dying and resurrecting for me. God looks at me and says the exact same thing. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. So here's the deal. If you really get that, if you really get that, that means if you have a horrible day, and I'm talking about the horrible day you caused. You, you had a horrible day, and you get to the end of the day, and you say a prayer before you go to sleep, 
If you get the doctrine of justification, you understand that the Lord still says to you, I'm pleased with you. That, that's what it's about. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. So if God has taken care of my vertical righteousness, if God has taken care of everything I need for eternal life, then my good works actually aren't for him. He doesn't need them. They don't justify me. The, then why ought we to do good? Because God has designed that our good would help those around us. Yeah? We don't, we don't work to be pleased. Like, we don't have to, to do more stuff to get in better with God. If we're in Christ, we're in good. But God has decided to bless those around you through your good works. In other words, Martin Luther says, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. All right. God blesses those around us through our faithfulness. Whether you're a parent, friend, customer, student, whatever it is. If you do that, that with a sense of loving the other person. I mean, you, you've been in line at the grocery store and somebody was wilding out to the, to the clerk. Just being crazy. Making, making that, that person's day horrible. But then you've seen somebody be extremely kind in that interaction. Man, in that moment, in that serving of neighbor, we are an answer to God's prayer, to their prayer to God. Not only that, it's, it's, it's spiritually witnessed. Now, we understand that work is like mundane and, and sometimes it's, it's drudgery. Now, imagine in the middle of that drudgery, if you had great joy, what would your coworkers think? What does that person have? Why is he happy today? We all don't like this, <laughs> but he, he, he's over there singing or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But the idea is this, that if we really press in and understand this teaching, that as we're on the road of life, which the majority of your life is mundane. Let, let's just be real. But if I understand that in that majority, I can serve God faithfully. And I can bless those around me and I can testify to his grace. So when we see this, this psalm that's talking about how do we find joy, how do we continue to, to, to press through this journey of life, one thing we have to remember that the most faithful journey or the most faithful surgeon was Jesus Christ. Everything in this psalm he did to perfection. He remembered God all the time. He was helped by God for the sake of others. One of my favorite, this is the most funny prayer that Jesus prayed is when he was raising Lazarus from the dead. And this is what he said. God, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me, but because of them, I'm saying this out loud. <laughs> like, he's just like, he's like, let me show, let me show them how good you are by your faithfulness to me. Did he not rejoice in God? And beloved, in, the, in his harshest moment, in the most treacherous moment, he asked God for deliverance. And God said no. If there's any other means, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. See, he was not heard so that we could be heard. 
So the fact that he rejoiced all the time, the fact that he always remembered remember God, the fact that he did things to display God's glory, remember justification, that applies to us now. Because God said no to us, to him, the father says yes to us. And Jesus was the faithful one in his vocation for our benefit. See, Jesus was a man who had many callings. The most important one, right? The savior, he was the savior of the whole world. But he also was a carpenter. We, he said he didn't sin, so he must have been a pretty good one, right? You know what I mean? Like, he was a son. He didn't sin. I guess he didn't talk back to his mom. You know, that, that, was, that was awesome. Jesus was, was faithful in the large and in the small roles he had. Listen, one of, the, one of the things that Jesus did when he was on the cross, bearing the weight of the sins of the whole world, he, he was the eld, eldest son of a mother whose husband had died. And he's on the cross suffering. And he looks down and he says to his friend John, take care of her. You're like, Jesus, you are doing a pretty big thing right now. Why do you have time to do? <laughs> like, you're doing the whole saving of the world. But beloved, Jesus fulfilled his vocations. The ones that come in comparison, we would say, that doesn't matter. No, it matters. And Jesus lived like it matters. That's part of his sinless perfection. He completely obeyed God through his vocations, and beloved, we do not. But he died for us. He rose again to forgive us and redeem our callings. So we journey through this life by remembering God's deliverance, by testifying about God's goodness, asking God for help, and being faithful in our callings in the meantime. That's how we demonstrate that we remember the first advent, that's how we demonstrate that we expect the second one. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. It is holy and good and, and relevant and inspiring and at times convicting, but it is a gift to us. And so I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you that you have shown us so much kindness that you died for us when we were wrong, that, that you, you converted us when we were walking away, and that you show us daily kindness. Lord, help us to walk in faithfulness so that through us you may bless those around us. Lord, we're, we're going to take communion. We're going to remember what you have done. Lord, I pray that you would use it as a means of grace, that just as you have spoken to us by your word, Lord, would you speak to us by your visible word and communion. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.